Let us pray. Prepare our hearts, O God, to accept your word. Silence in us any voice but your own, that hearing we may also obey your will. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The Old Testament reading is from the first book of Samuel, chapter 16, verses 1 through 13. Let us hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you grieve over Saul? I have rejected him from being king over Israel. Fill your horn with oil and set out. I will send you to Jesse, the Bethlehemite, for I have provided for myself a king among his sons. Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hears of it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, Take a heifer with you, and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what you shall do, and you shall anoint for me the one whom I name to you. Samuel did what the Lord commanded, and came to Bethlehem. The elders of the city came to, to meet him trembling, and said, Do you come peaceful, peacefully? He said, Peacefully. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he sanctified Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they came, he looked on Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed is now before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord does not see as mortals see. They look on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Then Jesus called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. He said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shammah pass by, and he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel, and Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen any of these. Samuel said to Jesse, are all your sons here? And he said, there remains yet the youngest, but he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring him, for we will not sit down until he comes here. He sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. The Lord said, rise and anoint him, for this is the one. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward. Samuel then set out and went to Ramah. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our New Testament lesson this morning is from John's Gospel, the ninth chapter, and 41 verses, rather long passage of scripture. And there are a number of different um, scenes in this passage of Scripture. So I encourage you to follow along, hopefully with your Bible in hand, in order to hear now what God's Word is. Listen for the Word of God. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned. He was born blind so that God's works might be revealed in him. 
We must work the works of him who sent me while it's day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. When Jesus had said this, he spat on the ground, made mud with the saliva, and spread the mud on the man's eyes, saying to the man, Go and wash in the pool of Shalom, which means sent. Then the man went and washed and came back able to see. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar began to say, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some were saying, Yep, it's him. And others were saying, No, but it is someone like him. And the man kept saying, I am the man. But they kept asking him, Then how were your eyes opened? He answered, the man Jesus made mud, spread it on my eyes, and said to me, go to Shalom and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, where is he? And the man said, I don't know. So they brought the man to the Pharisees, who had formerly, the man who had formerly been blind. It was the Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. And the Pharisees began to ask the man how he'd received his sight. He said, he put mud on my eyes, I washed, and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man cannot be from God, for he does not observe the Sabbath. But others said, how can a man who's a sinner perform such signs? And the Pharisees were divided. So they said again to the blind man, what do you say about him? It was your eyes he opened, he said. He's a prophet. The Jews did not believe they had been blind, had received his sight, until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight and asked them, Is this your son, who you say was born blind? How does he now see? The parents responded, We know this is our son. He was born blind. But we do not know how it is that he sees, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He is of age. He can speak for himself. The parents had said this because they were afraid of the Jews. For the Jews had already agreed that anyone who confessed Jesus to be the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, he's of age. You ask him. So for the second time, the Pharisees called the man who'd been blind, and they said to him, Give God glory. We know that this man is a sinner. But the man answered, I do not know whether he's a sinner. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I can see. They said to him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? And the man answered, I've told you already, and you won't listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? The Pharisees reviled him, saying, You are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we don't know where he comes from. The man answered, Here's an astonishing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, But he does listen to one who worships him and obeys his will. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone who opened the eyes of a person born blind. 
If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. Pharisees answered him, You were born entirely in sins, and are you trying to teach us? And they drove him out of the synagogue. Jesus heard that they had driven him out, and when he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? And the man answered, Who is he, sir? Tell me so I can believe in him. And Jesus said to him, You've seen him, and the one speaking with you is he. And the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. Jesus said, I came into this world for judgment so that those who do not see may see, and those who do see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard this and said to him, Surely we're not blind, are we? And Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would not have sinned. But now that you say we see, your sin remains. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. As a child, I was often told that I was blind as a bat. It happened when a parent asked me to hand them something and I couldn't see what they're asking for. Or it happened when someone asked me to pick up something and I had no clue of what they were wanting me to do. Or I was told about someone's behavior and for the life of me could not comprehend them behaving like that. And the retort I got back as a kid was, you are blind as a bat. And then to add insult to injury, they would say, if it had been a snake, it would have bitten you. It is awkward and sometimes embarrassing not to see some things that are right in front of your eyes. And for whatever reason, you just cannot see them. Yet when the right perspective occurs, then it's clear as a bell. As an aside, I thought I would ask Google if bats are really blind, and they're not. It's a folk tale, it's a myth that we can just forget about. There's, they do have a way of seeing in the darkness through different sounds that are unique to them, and I guess has been the reason people say that you're blind as a bat, because how else could you move around in darkness uh, unless you had no eyes? But bats are not blind. Our New Testament lesson today is about a man born blind from birth and about his encounter with Jesus. But as I looked at this passage this week, I discovered that it's really not about a blind man. It's about everything else. It's about integrity. It's about honesty. It's about pride. It's about authority. It's about control. The story focuses on the man born blind from birth But the story really is an attempt to help us see different issues that occur around Jesus. It helps us to see how Jesus can be part of our lives, even when we are blind. It helps us see how Jesus worked against silly and chaotic, archaic religious traditions. It shows us that Jesus deals with losers in life so they can become winners in this life. And it demonstrates very clearly how blind, spiritually blind, each and every one of us can be. Now on to the story. This is a long pericope, as you heard as I read it a few moments ago. And there are three different sections of it that I'd like for us to consider this morning, as it's just not enough time to look at all the sections of it. First of all, Jesus came to the blind man, and he did it on several occasions. We're told that Jesus was walking along, 
and there was this man who was blind. Jesus spat on the ground, made mud with his spit, and put the mixture on the man's eyes, sent him to the pool of Shalom to wash. He did and came back able to see. Later on in the story, we see that the same man had been driven out of the synagogue by the Pharisees because they got put out with him. Jesus went and found the man and asked him if he believed. And the man replied, Lord, I believe. And he knelt down and worshiped Jesus. Jesus comes to us. Jesus takes the initiative for us. Jesus knows our every need and comes and ministers to us. We in the church call it grace. But so many of us believe we're not worthy. So many of us believe we're undeserving. So many of us believe we don't count. We're down on our luck. And yet it's Jesus who starts it. Jesus reflects what scripture declares that we love because God first loved us. As a young pastor in South Georgia, we celebrated the Lord's Supper once every quarter, the first Sunday of each quarter, and it was a very special occasion. After about a year of being there, I realized that attendance on the first Sunday of the quarter, Communion Sunday, was always lower. And it puzzled me, it made no sense. So I began to ask around the congregation. To my utter amazement, Surprise and sorrow, the word I got back was consistent from folks. We don't deserve it. We're not worthy to take the bread and the cup. We're not good enough to be able to take the Lord's Supper. It shocked me as a young pastor to the core. Because if there's any time where you need the Lord's Supper, it's in that kind of time. For the purpose of communion is to nurture us and support us in all aspects of life, but particularly to be there to nurture us when things are not going well. It's our sustenance. It's our hope. It's what gives us life. This story reminds me first and foremost that Jesus comes to us. Jesus invites us. Jesus wants us and is willing to do whatever's necessary to have a relationship with us, just as he did with the man who was born blind from birth. Could it be that we are blind to the invitation and prompting of Jesus making toward us? Could we be blind as a bat and not see Jesus in our lives? Could we really be writing things off and just saying I was lucky when it really was Jesus trying to do something for us? Could we describe and declare a sad situation in our lives was just fate and yet it was Jesus trying to get through to us? Could we say that if I didn't have any bad luck, I wouldn't have any luck at all and it really is God's providence trying to break through our lives? Could we be like our dear friends in South Georgia and not feel worthy enough and therefore just cannot see that Jesus is coming to me? Jesus starts it. Jesus comes to us all the time. Are we open to him intruding into our lives? Secondly, 
the story starts off about this blind, blind man. And immediately, Jesus' disciples want to know who sinned. Was it the parents or was it this man? Here's a man who's been born blind since birth, has had a rough time, can hardly make it sometimes, and the disciples try to play the blame game. Was it him or his parents? Reminds me of Presbyterians who have a hard time just accepting things like they are and want to figure out what's really behind it. In those days, it was not unusual for people to interpret situations in life of God causing bad things to happen to good people. They were looking for some explanation of why certain things would happen to people. They didn't have the advances of modern science that explains a number of things in our day and time. And they looked for some reason why things happened to people in their lives and often connected that to God. We've come a long way scientifically in life and we found a number of explanations why children may be born with deficiencies or handicaps and we have a very logical explanation to many of those things. But I have to say, I find people today not much different than the people were in Palestine. We're more sophisticated, of course, than they were, or at least we think we are. But we still wonder if there may not be some reason a family had unfortunate things happen to them. Do you think that Mr. Jones' illicit behavior didn't come home to roost when the child of his got caught up in the drug scene? Don't you wonder why the Smith family, with all their wild living, maybe be bringing on some of their current misfortune? Some of us say, I think God was trying to teach them a lesson. Others will say, I think God was trying to get their attention and jerk a knot in their head. But does God cause bad things to happen to good people? I think not. God allows things to happen. God gives us the free will. And sometimes our free will decisions have sad outcomes. And God enables us to make choices, and there are consequences to all of our choices. You see, in this passage, Jesus is trying to move the disciples from the blame game to what he says in verse 3. Quote, so that God's works might be revealed in the blind man. You see, it's not about who did it or what was done, who is to be blamed or who sinned. No, the issue is how will that situation be used by God to reveal God's works? How will God be glorified? What difference will God make of the situation? That's the point, and that's the issue. It's all about God. And yet, we are quick to rush to judgment. We are biased. We are prejudiced. We need someone to blame and someone to be responsible. Instead of seeing what wonders God will do in these situations, instead of seeing God at work, instead of giving praise to Almighty God. It's happening now, even today, with the coronavirus pandemic around the world. People are trying to find some excuse or blame some people or make some excuse of what's happened. And why it's happened. And yet, the issue for us is what will God do with this pandemic? 
What difference has it already made in our lives that we cannot socialize with one another, that we have to be more careful about our health and well-being? What is God trying to say to us so that we can be more faithful in our discipleship? The issue is how can this situation, as horrendous as it is, be a way in which we give praise and thanks for what God is doing? We've seen that Jesus takes the initiative in our lives. And the question is, can we see him? We see that God's will is done even in difficult and sad situations. And will we allow God's hand to be at work? But finally, a great deal of the story centers on the Pharisees. And they argue over this miracle. If they were in modern day times, they would call it fake news. They question if it really happened at all. After the man regained his sight, even his neighbors didn't believe him. So they wanted some authority to validate their experience, and they took the man to the Pharisees, the religious authorities. The Pharisees grilled him, but good. They didn't believe he had been blind. They even called his parents and said, Is this your son? Was he always blind? And the parents said, yes, he's our son. Yes, he's always been blind. But they were clueless how in the world he got his sight back. So they said, ask him yourselves. He's old enough. So the Pharisees grilled him a second time. And not satisfied with his answers, they threw him out of the synagogue. Not having a good reason to dispute the miracle because the blind man really could see and the parents verified it. The Pharisees took a page out of the legalistic playbook. Quote, this man is not from God, for he does not observe the Sabbath. Therefore, even the blind man now seeing doesn't really count because Jesus did it on the Sabbath. And that's against the rules. It's so modern day. Even though God through Christ healed the man of his blindness, it didn't qualify. It wasn't in accordance with the rules. And it doesn't matter how he can see, it was not done decently and in order as Presbyterians would declare. Aren't we just that way in our lives? Especially in our religious lives? We have certain notions about how God operates. And if things happen outside of those understandings, it could not be a God thing. We in Presbyterian land are not just at all sure about what we call contemporary worship. Years ago, I would go visiting in churches as general presbyter, and I began to realize that if you don't have at least five microphones, you can't have a contemporary worship service. Church after church, I attended, and there was at least five microphones, and I guess in my way of thinking, that qualified for a contemporary service. But we're not sure what to make of the responses some churches are getting to these contemporary services. Or the fact that they're using media in their sermons and in their sanctuaries. It's just not appropriate, we declare. It's just not in keeping with the directory for worship we've convinced ourselves of, so we write it off and dismiss it. Are we being blind to what God might be doing? How God might be affecting the lives of people for the sake of the gospel. 
how people are responding to God's Spirit's leadership. Now, there's some major issues with any kind of contemporary worship service. They've got so many bells and whistles, they've got to continually outdo themselves the next week so the crowd keeps coming back. So, yes, things could be done differently. But what might God be doing in these services that we can learn from? What is happening there from which we can benefit? Are we so narrow-minded that God only speaks in a certain and fixed fashion? Or is God always surprising us? Or can we not see God doing that at all? The irony of this story is that the Pharisees were really the blind person. In verse 41, Jesus said, If you were blind, you would not sin. But now that you say, We see your sin remains. They were so blind that they could not or they would not see God at work. They would not give God the credit and the praise. They were determined to be in control even of God. And that's the height of blindness. So what about you and me? What in our Lenten journey of which we are part now are we willing to do? Are we willing to open our eyes or are we content to be blind as a bat? The issue is about having spiritual sight or spiritual blindness. Jesus comes to us all the time. Are we willing to see it and to see him? God is constantly working miracles in a lot of different ways. Are we open to giving God the credit? And many times we work hard to thwart the efforts and the works of God. Are we willing to see our own shortcomings? Open your eyes, for you will see things you never thought possible. Let us pray. Eternal God, we give you thanks for sight. Not just visible sight, but insight spiritually and personally to see how your hand is at work in our lives, how your hand is at work in this world, how you are very much a part of who we are in all that we do. Give us that kind of spiritual insight so we might give you the praise and the glory and the honor through Christ our Lord. Amen.